You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, their ZDX is the most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of the Premier League and the Champions League. I'm Robbie Musto, he's Robbie Earl, and here are today's topics. Man City's dominant performance over United at Old Trafford, but does it even matter for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his future? Farewell to Daniel Farker at Norwich and Dean Smith at Aston Villa. West Ham into third place after their deserved win over Liverpool. Antonio Conte's first Premier League match with Spurs. The arrival of Eddie Howe at Newcastle and Arsenal. Yes, Arsenal into fifth place. That's what we've got coming up in today's show. Robbie Earl, I, mm. I feel like we say it every time, what an action-packed <laughs> weekend of Premier League I mean, action on the field, off the field, highs, lows, amazing stuff, mate. Um, yeah, this but, was special just before the international break, mate. I mean, when you think of what's happening on the pitch, what's happening off the pitch, storylines, the league table, who's beating who, who's in a job. It's just, I mean, it's remarkable. We were, we were closing our show on Saturday. We hear that Daniel Farker uh, has lost his job. We were opening up on Sunday. We hear that Dean Smith lost his job. I mean, just incredible scenes where you, you're never quite sure what's coming next. We don't. We'll, have a, we'll touch on those two a little later yeah. on, Rob. But let's get back mm-hmm. to the football. And the big game this weekend was always going to be this last game, this last game of three for Oligan and Solskjaer in charge of Manchester United. He had three games to save his job, um, Spurs victory, Atalanta draw, and a Man City loss at home. Mm. Um, before we get on to the repercussions or what it means for Oligan and Solskjaer, Rob, let's just talk about the game for a little bit and how dominant it was for Manchester City and how easy it was for them. And Man United and Oligan and Solskjaer had absolutely no answers to the mm. slick passing football of Pep Guardiola. Well, we know the resurgence of United with the win at Tottenham and and you know being a late draw for Atalanta relies heavily on the form of Cristiano Ronaldo. But you could also say uh, Rafael Varane playing the central of a third centre back partnership yeah. has, has calmed things down, has brought a little bit of experience and understanding of the three centre back role. So with Varane missing, Rob. It met, it, the questions were, and we did, we did a, a tactical breakdown that if anybody wants to go and see uh, a tactic session on what we thought the shape of Manchester United would be, how that works for them in some ways with players they can get in the team, or possibly could work against them, against a City team playing with a false nine. And so it played out that Oli went with a back three of Bailly, of Lindelof and Maguire, um, and then wing-backs Wan-Bissaka and Luke Shaw, Assuming the hope that the three gives us extra defence, that the two wing-backs can at times get forward and supplement the attack, and they can at least have some possession. The reality was, Rob, they got absolutely mauled, Mm. especially in the first 45 minutes. The the two wide players from Manchester City, it was Jesus, and it was uh, Foden Foden. on the left-hand side, stayed really wide and pinned the full-backs. Bernardo Silva was the false nine for Manchester City. And then we had times when De Bruyne joined them, when Gundogan joined them, where they actually got pinned back as a five, Rob. And it was almost excruciating to watch because as we're watching the game and you're shouting to him, he's got to change it, he's got to change it. Manchester United just couldn't get near the ball, couldn't touch the ball, couldn't keep the ball for more than two or three passes. And the dominance of football, the comfort in which they probed and probed and, and drew Manchester United all over the park was, was, as, was as, as embarrassing as the Liverpool game, if not worse. The goals didn't go in, Rob, but the, the, the opportunity, and apart from De Gea playing brilliantly in the first half, albeit he, he let a second goal in, it was, it, was a, it was a dominant display by City and a disastrous display by United. I understand why Solskjaer went for three at the back again. 
I understand it. Defensively, mm-hmm. they've been awful. Extra central defender to help in, 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 in difficult situations in games makes sense. After the first 10 or 15 minutes, obviously they're, they're, they're 1-0 down at that point to the Eric Bayon goal. I just expected Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to realise where the problem was. And the problem was that three guys in midfield, Bruno, McTominay and Fred, are kind of narrow, Rob. And you yeah. had two players in uh, uh, Mason Greenwood and Cristiano Ronaldo that are playing as central forwards. That's two guys pretty much out of the game defensively. So the full-back areas for Man City, and we know we've pl- I've played in a three-man midfield in a back five, and you get pu- you get pulled all over the place. Um, but nothing was done. Okay, so that allows Carl Walker, and more importantly, Joel Cancelo, to have all the time in the world, Rob, to receive the ball. It's always an out ball. Again, you play in midfield, you close down in the middle areas, it goes to somebody and they pop it out to the fullbacks because they're in open space because the wingbacks have been forced mm. back. So, I mean, kind of a simple tactical adjustment, really, but nothing was made. And then from then on, you know, I, I don't even... I, the details are not worth going into, Rob. The bigger mm. picture of how, how the gap is so big between the two teams, it was so evident and very damning on... A manager at Manchester United has been there for, what, three years now? He's had plenty yeah. of time. He's brought some good players into the football club. Expectations were of a of a title challenge this year. But it was a slow dismantling, dissection by Man City uh, where you get towards the end of the game. And City couldn't really be bothered to score more goals. So comfortable. It's one of those games where it looked like Man United had, had a, at least one player sent mm-hmm. off and City had the extra man. So... You know, we, we we kind of, it's easy for us to, to criticise and to poke and stuff. I understand it's really torturous for Man United fans right now. And there's millions of them all over the world. Um, the three games are up and Spurs was better. Atalanta was a scramble that Ronaldo got them out of a really awful situation late, late in the game. And this one was another painful experience at home at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm against the guys down the street, the noisy neighbours, that were so far advanced in their football, their tactical um, protocols and, and what their expectations were in the day of the football. It was, it was, I thought it was embarrassing. And, uh, you know, it just begs the question, where do Man United, Robbie, will go from here? Well, <clears throat> where do you go from here? You, you said at the top of your, your your opening about you know the Manchester derby and and you know is 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 our job safe? Right now, the Manchester United job is probably the safest job in English football. Nothing's going to happen to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They they it was like a, a death by passing yeah. uh, at the weekend. Manchester United passed them into submission. It was it was almost embarrassing. But you saw Ronaldo once looking around, just frustrated like. What's going on with my team? And to just basic things, Rob. Like we're sitting there, and again, not that we know best or we know better than anybody else. But you, we're sitting in the game. We're talking about the tactics. We're looking at the shape, and we're seeing the the two fullbacks from Manchester City causing all kinds of them. Cancelo, I mean, just basically had a freedom of the, of, of the park, and he's such a good passer of the ball. So part of me thinks, Rob. Where's the in-game tactics of Manchester United's coaching staff? Where's the in-game tactics to go? This ain't understand why you go with the three. Baye gets an own goal, maybe disappointing, but you know you're not competing in the game. Can't get any kind of control of the football and and, and stop the, the the bleeding. Where's the in-game tactic to change it? Why do we always have to almost wait till half time, like the game stopped? Why why can't that be happening? Why can't after twenty minutes? Somebody go on that Manchester United side, not working. Three ain't, three ain't working today. Off you come, on you go, four across, whatever. Deal with the full-backs. At least now we compete and start to play. Mm. That's my biggest criticism of what I saw at the weekend. There was nothing that Manchester United did to stop the flow. And, and just flip on the other side of that, Rob. You can stop all those problems if you keep the ball. Mm-hmm. If you keep possession of the football, Man City, when they play against really good teams, maybe more often in European football, in the Champions League, they actually pass the ball, keep the ball, and it forces Man City back a little bit. Because United couldn't keep the ball for four or five, six passes, yeah. I mean, the, the pressing, 
you know, when they when they gave the ball away, Man City, they were very, very quick mm-hmm. to win it back. And it's not easy to play out, but it's a, it's a big problem there, Rob. Just, you know, just on this season, you know, I said on, on our air, like, when you sign Ronaldo, Varane and Jadon Sancho for a lot of money, you expect the team to be better. I don't understand how they can get worse after signing those those three players. Um, you look at the league table now, right now, Rob, they're in sixth place, Manchester United. Uh, what they... They're, they're what they're nine points off the top. A top four challenge looks like that's where they're at, Rob. That's a, yeah, um, that's going to be it. it and we got like that's going to be right, it. and we got to go back to, you know, the managers. And I think we, are we on the same. Are we agreed that United are going to win some games? They've got tons of great players, so the, the top four challenge is always going to be there. So it doesn't. It's not feels like. Well, if he gets seventh or eighth, then wow, you, we got somebody else to get in there to get into the top four. I think he'll be around there, for the most part. If they finish fourth, Rob, is his job safe at United this summer? Yeah, yeah. with the with the way they run, the clubs it run, with the people be. who run it, it can't be. With, with getting champ, if Champions League football is achieved, that gives them the money to be in the the, the Premier European club competition. Rob, we've seen it. If, 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 if things that have happened or continue to happen go on as they are, his job's safe. Let, let me chuck one out at you based on what I saw. And I actually, I don't know if it's a, it's a right thing or to say or not, I actually felt sorry for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this weekend. Yeah. I felt sorry for him, Rob. The interview and almost looked like he wants help. He like almost like, get me out of here. I'm against Pep, I'm against Tuchel, I'm, I'm against Conte, I'm against these guys who are worldly, who are, you know, um, experienced, uh, 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 tactically super smart and super astute. He's not that guy, Rob. Mm. He's not that guy. And, and it almost looked to me like, I don't think he will do this, but part of me feels like he could resign from Manchester United. This could be almost like, I'm not the right guy. He, he so wants to do well for this. Yeah, he's so yeah, in, yeah. They, 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 like he would sacrifice himself to say, do you know what? United can find a better guy than me. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the worst shout in the world. I, I really don't. We know his love for the club. We get that. And I, and I actually kind of respect the Man United fans within Old Trafford that don't, they're not, they're not jeering and booing and, and chanting nasty stuff to their manager. Mm. And to be fair, I'm not sure they've done that with the previous ones, Rob, really, no, for the no, most part. And they've seen the some frustrating times. Um, I just I, I just don't know. I, I think he limps along until the end of the season. And who knows what managers might be available. Um, again, I made a comment this weekend that, that there, was, there have been three you know, really good options that have been turned down in in the trust kept in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mm. Michel Pochettino, we said it a million times. Some might argue, is he really an elite manager for Manchester United? I thought at the time he would have been ideal uh, looking for a job to come into the team. No, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer continued. Thomas Tuchel, Rob, was uh, left Paris Saint-Germain. Um, there was a month, I think, that he was twiddling his thumbs and available. Obviously, yeah. Chelsea got him. Man United didn't. And then the most recent one, of course, Antonio Conte, that we've talked a lot about this weekend. And we'll, we'll mention, of course, with Spurs because he's a new manager and we're expecting to do great things. Um, again, not considered. There's, there was never any talk that he might come into the football club. So mm. when you start to think about the future, and if he does limp to the end of the season, not against Solskjaer, I still don't know which other great managers out there would be suitable for this job. And, and it's difficult to see that. OK, Rob, let's switch it over to Manchester City because mm. it's not all about... Manchester United in this no. game. I thought Pep got his team purring beautifully. The football game, their passing game was as sharp as it's been for a long time. Um, the, the tactical kind of, I don't know, the, the comfortable nature of this team with his tactics is pretty good, isn't it? And if you give him a little bit of space to play, he will do that. Enables his team to get forward. If he does give the ball away, the team, they're all over it very quickly to get back. They get you in this vice-like grip that's hard to get out of. Again, we talked about number nines, Rob, and strikers. And, and uh, you know, are they going to score enough goals? I think we differ a little bit on that. This is a day that you can say, mm. who cares about a striker? Because they mm. scored a couple of goals, could have got more. They were good, mate, weren't they? They're very good. Um, we Again, we looked at on the tactics of how he might play. 
and wondered who might be the false nine. Would it would it be Foden? Niall said Jesus might not be a bad option just to be able to run in behind. <laughs> we what's got it wrong do? again. <laughs> what's he do? Stick Bernardo Silva in there. It was interesting, Rob, though, in his, in his pre-match interview, he talked about wanting to play hmm. with wide players on their natural side. So a left-footed yeah. player on the left wing, maybe to, to stretch out. Right-footed player on the, the right-hand side, Jesus, to stretch out, out and Foden the other. And it pulled that Manchester United defence across the width of the pitch. And that's when he can start to get them holes that, that he goes into. And it was interesting because, again, just before the uh, on the Friday uh, press conference, he was asked by one of the journalists, you know, don't you think you need a number nine? And he did. You, you, you sent me the clip. He did the biggest eye roll I've ever seen. A bit like when they win and dominate a team like United, no one talks about who they're missing. No. And then as soon as they maybe get a result that doesn't go or they don't score in a game as he did against Palace, it's like, well, you need another nine. And he, he rolls his eyes. It's almost like he trusts in the process, Rob. Yeah. And we saw the process uh, working at its very best against Manchester United. And it disables, as you said, the opposition. Now, are they going to be clinical? Are they going to create enough chances? Are they going to be clinical enough? Time will tell. Um, you know, the Gundogan back in the team, Bernardo Silva looking lively. Interesting, Rob, no Jack Grealish in this team. First mm. time in a big game, maybe Jack's been been rested. Again, if, if you're going to play in his team, numbers are important and goals are going to be important because they're going to have to spread them around, not having that number nine that other big teams do. Yeah, he's not He's not the best player at this football club. He's not. I mean, he's mm. right up there with some of the best in the team. Of course he is. He's a brilliant player, Jack Grealish, but... Pep's got options, and, and that was what he said. He didn't want a right footer on the left side to stretch those three centre-backs. And that actually where they did win the game. You know, in, in general, and we'll move on in a second, just last point. Yeah. In general, teams attack in the wide areas or in the inside areas. And this game, Pep's thinking, well, they've got three in the middle of the park. They have three centre-backs. They're kind of strong in the middle. Mm. Let's attack them in the wider areas. Crosses left-footers. On the other side, the right footers, they stretched them. That's what they attacked in this game, down the outsides, and it worked a treat by his own goal. Didn't defend uh, Bernardo Silva, Luke Shaw, let him, let him steal in at the back post there. Um, but anyway, yeah, masterclass from Pep. Um, yeah. Really, really great and uh, thoroughly deserved. And again, City are going to be there or thereabouts at the very end for sure. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. Yeah, there's no doubt that Man City takes yeah. some of the headlines for the weekend. But other big headlines, my friends, were breaking as we were going off air and coming off air on the weekend. Daniel Farker sacked by Norwich um, City after his first win after 10 attempts this season. He, they played Brentford, they, his 11th game this season, and they end up winning that game. He gets sacked after. The, the, all the news was that... Um, he was told before the game, they didn't break the news till after. He was given time to speak to his family. It was broke to the players. But maybe by Daniel Falker's reaction to the goals that went in, there was a sense that, that you know, it was already, you know, that the departure was going to happen. And I think we both feel sorry for Falker and that he's come up. He's had a good go. I think he gives of his best. 
but he's just been caught short. But any any problems with the sacking, Rob? Oh, no, I, I really don't. And in fact, it's like, I just think, you know, often when, when uh, somebody gets sacked, I sometimes say, you know what? Were they really sure he wasn't the right guy? Are they really, can they give him a little bit more time to give him a chance to get himself out of trouble? We're going to go and talk about one of those in a second. Uh-huh. Um, but this is not the case here. They knew. It's like, well, there's no arguments here. You've had four years, four and a half years in the job. You've done a great job getting him from the championship to the Premier League. First time around, mm, not very good. Really poor attempt. Okay, we'll stick with him. Love to see that. Gets him back out again. Okay, second attempt. Mm, still not very good. So at that point, it doesn't make sense to continue with him. You know, they can switch and hopefully get a, a new manager uh, bounce reorganize, maybe have a chance to end the division. And then somebody else will take over mm. to try again. And the philosophy of the club has is, is, is ran really well. But somebody to do a better job once they get into the Premier League, that's where he's disappointed. And that's why he's lost his job. But again, four and a half years, stability, continuity, love all that. But now you know. You have all the answers to the questions you might have. And he wasn't able to make a dent on the Premier League in, in two attempts. So absolutely the right call. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I just think that the, the, the Norwich ownership group have to almost take a gamble in some respects, but give themselves a chance, Rob. They've got, was it five points now at the moment? It's only five away from safety. Yeah. If you get the right man in, things turn a little bit. You know, the likes of Billy Gilmore not in the side, Todd Cantwell, Cantwell not in the side, not sure what's happened there. And maybe Falk has not, not integrated those players. So, yeah, I think giving it another go. And Listen, at this stage, it's almost been like, oh, Norwich are gone, it's two others. Well, maybe Norwich haven't gone and, and, and they've been mm. brave. Let's see who comes in, let's see what happens. But mm. um, I agree, I think, it, it, you know, as well as uh, Falk has done, I know he had a four-year contract, I'm sure he'll have a, a decent compensation payout. Um, it feels like the right move. The other one, my friend, and I know this is, is something close to you because it's a player you played with, Dean Smith. Party yeah. company with Aston Villa. Now, Dean Smith went into the weekend and we know he'd had four straight defeats and there was a bit of pressure on. And he, we looked at, at, his, at his team and we, we thought, well, listen, he, he needs a performance. He, he needs something to, to rally around him. They lost 1-0 away to Southampton um, and had an Armstrong goal. And it would appear that, Rob, in the Premier League right now, if you, if you lose five straight games, you lose your job. Mm. It's going to be interesting, Rob, because I would say, my goodness, hasn't he, hasn't he earned the right to, to get it straight again, to get the team back on its tracks, to, to recover from his first real bad run of results, you know, an unacceptable run that he's had in his three years at the club, done a brilliant job with them. Um, so I'm a little, I was a little surprised. I think we realised, Rob, is getting under severe pressure. But, I mean, we have just got into November. There's another 27 games to go. This team is a mid-table, top 10 team. He said it himself. Um, mm. I just, I'm going to be fascinated. New guy comes in. Yeah. I guess for it to have been the right call, the new guy's got to bring him up, top 10, even higher, to prove that, that Dean Smith wasn't performing. There's always the argument that, actually, Jack Grealish went. Emi Buendia has done nothing. Leon Bailey, flashes of great stuff, but really hardly anything. Danny Ings has got some goals, but we know he has injury issues. I, I mean, we, I, you know, we're not going to say they weren't good signings because it's, it seemed at the time they were good signings. So mm. without those players, you know, this is a tough division and they're having a tough run. But I, I'm still a little surprised and disappointed to my previous point. If you're going to fire the guy, make sure, make sure that he is absolutely not the right guy and, and, and that you're really worried about the future of the team, the direction it's going in. And more than, well, there's a few injuries right now. We still haven't got Douglas Luiz. You haven't got Danny Ings in the team right now. I, I thought it was a little premature, but listen, you know, we'll, we'll see who they bring in. There's a little bit of talk, a couple of, play, uh, a couple of people that's been reported already, Rob, that could be mm-hmm. candidates. Ralph Hassenhurtle at Southampton. Yeah. And the other one that I think is particularly interesting, and I think we've mentioned him for maybe a couple of other jobs on our podcast, is Stephen Jarrod, the Glasgow Rangers, done a brilliant job north of the border, champions, conducts himself really, really well, knows the league. It's a big club with ambitious owners, money to spend, 
it's a good job for somebody mm. that's Aston Villa, and I would love to see, and again, I apologise to any Rangers fans, I can't imagine we've got many of them, but there might be some Glasgow <laughs> Rangers fans listening in. <laughs> I think Stephen Gerrard is absolutely primed and ready with some good experience under his belt to come and have an impact in this Premier League. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree. I think he's a, he's a perfect fit. I think, well, I disagree. I don't think it's a good, good club. I think this is a great club, Rob. I think yeah. this is a club of 45,000 people will fill that place if, if they get the right football. I also know it's a club with ambitious owners, and I think the ambitious owners, Rob, have probably pulled the trigger a little bit early on Dean Smith, which is a shame for Dean because he, you know, I think they were 14th in the championship when he took over, yeah. took him into the playoffs, won the playoffs, got him up, kept him up by a point. Project Restart looked better. I think it was 11th, and then all of a sudden, uh, five straight defeats has seen the end of him. But that's the brutal nature of football. But it was interesting because. As we were closing the show, I think it was on Saturday, and, and, the, and Rebecca goes through the league table. And, and remember looking at the table and saying to you, well, Aston Villa, 10 points. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Not far away from the relegation. I just said, some owners will look at that and start to panic, like, oh, you know, two more defeats and we could be in the relegation room. And I just wonder if some of that has happened, why Dean Smith, you know, they, they, they force that. It's that period now, isn't there? There's two weeks of an international break, so... You know, find your guy, bed him in, give him six weeks between now and the January window to yeah. look at things, get things right, maybe make some changes. So it is a bit of sort of the sacking moments in, yeah. in, 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 in uh, the Premier League. I think Dean Smith's just been a victim of that and a victim maybe of ambitious owners who've just got a bit twitchy and decided to, to pull the trigger. He'll get another job, mate. He will yeah. get another really good job in the Championship. Yeah. We, we, we may see him again in the Premier League because he did did something for this club that many others tried and failed to do in terms of getting Villa back into mm. the top flight. So I think he will be, well, obviously he's on the market right now and he'll get a good mm. job and we may see him back. I hope we see him back. We've seen, uh, we've seen the numbers there just, Robert, just quickly. There are five sackings in 36 days yeah. uh, or five departures, we could say, yeah. maybe the Steve Bruce Within 11 match season. days. 11, 11 match, match days. days. I mean, that, that's crazy. Um, and I don't think we're done there. I, I think there could be Possibly one, maybe before Christmas. And then we know at the back end of the season, Rob, there's a couple of clubs who might be in trouble who will gamble again. So I think the reality of going down now and, and not be, not getting the riches of the Premier League matters so much to these teams that people are just prepared to, to do sometimes strange things to, to try and stay in there. Just last word, mate, before we move on. And, uh, yeah. you know, we you do look up the table and you think who's under pressure. And yeah, there's a few that, that might come into that category. Our producer, Jorge, chucked one in. I'm like, wow, yeah, you're probably right. Watford, Claudio Ranieri, they've, I think they've lost three out of four. <laughs> I'm not being funny. They're two <laughs> points off relegation zone. Oh. It, it, is not, it is not crazy to think that he could be the next guy fired from a Premier League team. Watford, of course, already replaced their first man, hmm. uh, Munoz, with uh, Claudio Ranieri. Well, but they, they'll, they'll do that. If they don't think they've got the right guy hmm. and there's not a manager hmm. bounce, they'll get somebody else in. Amazing as it seems. Nothing is, 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 is ever out of, of the bounds no. and realms of Watford. Watford. There's, there's no. one job that's safe. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, Manchester United manager. Oh, there you go. He's safe. He's yeah. safe. Okay, let's move back to the football, my friend, because we've got a brilliant game at the London Stadium. West Ham United v Liverpool. Probably two of the most informed teams in the league going head-to-head. And it was a really intriguing game we were looking forward to because a West Ham team that played in Europe on Thursday night but continued to do well in both competitions. A Liverpool team that come out of a, a good win midweek in the Champions League against Atleti and then looking to establish themselves in the Premier League. So, prime game and one of those before we, and we talked about before where we said, like, this is a different West Ham. This is a different kind of test for Liverpool. Mm. And, and we both sort of agreed on the point that it wouldn't surprise you if West Ham won this one. So, yeah. should we? We're not surprised, mate. That West Ham got the job done. No, we're not. We're not. I think we we all know how good Liverpool are going forward. Mm. They scored two goals. They lost the game, and I think that's telling you everything. They've conceded five goals in the last two Premier League matches against Brighton and West Ham, and we know that they've conceded others in other games. Yeah, a little three earlier against Brentford. Yeah, two against Brighton. Two against. So there, there is there is an issue there. Um, the balance of the team, I, you know, the attacking dial that I talk about is turned right up to attack full mode, and it's been brilliant. They've got 31 goals, four more than anybody else. They've got their full, they've got their full uh, backline defenders fit, Rob, and that's a concern. Yeah. 
Van Dijk stretched many times today. Matip, they got caught on the counter-attack for Pablo Fornauz's goal. The two fullbacks are fit and raring and, and, and playing well for the most part. And yet they're still conceding a ton of goals. So Jurgen Klopp has got to find a way over the next few games, weeks or whatever, to, to adjust that attacking dial to have a little bit more security, insurance, get those front players a little bit more connected to the midfield to try and help defensively because this open gung-ho will get more than yours. Yeah, they will many times, but against well-organised teams, teams that have got pace and a threat on the counter-attack like West Ham do, this is their danger matches and, and this absolutely was the case. First goal, Robbie, I want to jump to some of the controversy and the, the moments that decided this one. Um, you know, I've got, we've got friends in, in, in support both teams. We have uh, messages and stuff. A few of my, my Liverpool fans were not happy, no. friends of mine, that the first goal should have been a foul. We mm. both, uh, when we did the highlight and looked at it yeah. from many angles, yeah. thought, you know what? That's not a clear and obvious error. Mm. Just reiterate to, to any Liverpool fans out there, Rob, that are still thinking, hang on, guys, that's a foul on Alisson. Not for me. Um, listen, Liverpool defend, and, 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 and where they're different than when I played is that they often allow an attacking player, an opponent player, to be next to their goalkeeper. And they're okay with that. They defend out outside of, 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 of that, that defender. Now, my worry with that is any ball in the box, the, the goalkeeper doesn't get a good view, doesn't get a clear run at, at the ball. Now, as you say, Gabriel Ogbonna um, is... A big man. He's Very standing, big man. He's standing next to Allison as the ball's come. Now, he has a right to jump. He has a right to use his arms. He has a right leverage. to get up, to leverage and try and head the ball in. For me, what happens is Allison gets caught in an awkward position. He tries to lean in to get the ball, mm. almost instigating the contact. And then he doesn't get the ball. And then he falls back on, flat on his back quite dramatically. And the goal goes in. Now... I was thinking about this, Rob, as, as we were coming to the podcast, because I know this was a, a quite controversial. And I think if you're a West Ham fan, you go, great goal. If you're a Liverpool fan, you say, foul. I put myself as in, in, in the game, Rob. Like, I'm a midfield player. I'm picking my man up. I see Ogbonna there. He jumps. My goalkeeper comes. The ball goes in the back of the net. Yeah. So my first thought was, goalkeeper error. My goalkeeper's yeah. made a mistake. My first thought isn't foul, and I'm trying to be objective here. If I think it's a foul, if I'm in that team, I would say, oh, he's fouled my keeper. As I looked at my keeper, I said, what are you doing? Mm. So, you know, I, I didn't think it was a foul. Listen, other people can have another opinion. Yep. And yep. if you slow something down enough, you'll see a picture where there's maybe yeah. an arm hitting an arm yeah. and it looks like yeah. contact. But in the context of the game, the way it was, it was done, I didn't think it was a clear and obvious error. I thought it was a goal. I think it was a right decision to give the goal. There's another incident, Rob, that we'll touch on as well now from Aaron Creswell that yeah. nearly took out the legs of Jordan Henderson. Uh, I mean, it begs the question, Rob, and I think I know what you're going to say, but is there got to be... Has there got to be solid contact with a challenge like that no, or just no, the action? No. And by the way, I don't think there does. No. It's but, a red card all day, Rob. And by the way, if Jordan Henderson is walking off the pitch with his leg in a cast stretch it off he'd have got a red card yeah I know that's what I mean that, and, 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 and that action that action that he took could have had that consequence it was fortunate that he went between the legs of Jordan yeah. Henderson and missed him mm. and, and the bit about well he got the ball getting the ball has nothing to do with it you could either control yourself into the tackle or you lunge like he did it was reckless it was dangerous. I thought mm. he was so lucky not to get a red card. Yeah. Well, I thought he was lucky as well. Yeah, I thought he was lucky as well, Rob. And, and, and Liverpool, just look at the league table, Rob. They're fourth. Yeah. Fourth now, Liverpool. Um, 22 points, four points away um, from the leaders, Chelsea, right mm. now. Um, but the story is much, of course, it's always going to be about Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp and, and that team and the way the balance isn't quite right. West Ham sure. United. Oh. I mean, that we in our broadcast, we focused on West Ham. We enjoyed yeah. the scenes afterwards. And it's a funny weekend, Rob, because you can reflect on We've seen two managers get fired from this yeah. from 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 mm -hmm. great clubs in this amazing league in despair and disappointment, and then you see the scenes afterwards with the with the blowing yeah. bubbles and the songs going and yeah. and the West Ham players going to the fans, kissing their wives and their families and giving their shirts away and dancing Declan Rice in the middle of the park. You know, a club West Ham United that I don't know about you, but when I played, so this is kind of back in the late nineties. That they, 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 they struggled a long period of time. There's, if there's another group of fans, we've talked about Newcastle United, West Ham's yeah. another club that, like, 
just want to get behind a really good and effective team that can be consistent, that plays the football when it can, but also has the steel and the attitude and the and the likability that this this David Moyes team does. Just how good will West Ham today, Rob? Again, thinking about things as, as, as I'm sitting down, and I'm not saying, I hope people take this in contact, context. West Ham play like a top four club, Rob Musto. They have mm. the discipline and organisation that Chelsea do. They can break in counter-attack like a Liverpool. They have mid-wide players who are prepared to come back. Ben Rama and Bowen do yeah. what, what the Man United come back and help out and do, yeah. the, do their job. Yeah. They've got pace and ability and threat through Finals, through Antonio, through, through Bowen. They can beat you in many, many different ways. The other, the other thing I think today is this is such a selfless team. And so I yes. did a breakdown earlier today on Declan Rice. And, and the breakdown was how many how he's adding different dimensions to his game. And the breakdown showed him breaking through midfield. Great assist to Antonio. I think it was against Leeds. Great assist against Ben Johnson last week against Villa. And a great goal that he scores against Villa. And I'm saying he's adding something more to his game. So Declan Rice. Today, Declan Rice played the holding defensive midfield player pretty much more often than not next to Suchak. Yep. disciplined for his team, made it difficult for Liverpool to play in and, and get those little passing combinations and was an outstanding captain at 22 years of age. I mean, I know you had some comparisons of whether Fabinho and, 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 mm. and people are, are up to that level. Right now, he's a Rolls-Royce, my friend, but he's yeah. also a selfless player to a cause yeah. that yeah. David Moyes deserves a lot of credit for. Yeah, and he, he would grace, he would enhance, he would add so much to any other team, mm. anywhere, anywhere. He's that, he's that conscientious, he's that good a player. I'll tell you who else is outstanding, Robbie Earl, and I'm going to go on to my underappreciated performer of the weekend. Ben Johnson, ben 21 Johnson. years of age, a converted winger, has been at West Ham Academy since the age of seven years old, I think it was, uh, He's is, is gone into the team as a right fullback. Vladimir Soufal, uh, that did come into this match, has been brilliant at right back. You couldn't imagine that there's a player coming through the ranks of 21 years of age that might keep Soufal out of the side. Ben Johnson mm -hmm. looks to be sensational. Physical, great power, great speed, good technical ability, good on the ball. Fans love him. You know, when you come through the academy at this football club, you know, you get an immediate respect from the fans. I thought Ben Johnson, and again, some of our listeners or viewers might not know much about him. Please watch for Ben Johnson, the right fullback for West Ham United, uh, as we go through this season, because he had another great game today and in previous games. And I had my eye on him. I thought, today, you know what? I'm going to mention him. A right back. We don't get many right backs mentioned in the underappreciated uh, category. Ben Johnson, again, some might not know him but you should get to know him because I think he's got an outstanding future in the game. Very good shout uh, up against Sadio Mane and, and cool. Robertson on that right side of the pitch. Did a brilliant job. Got good football genes, by the way. I think related to Paul Parker and Ledley King. So it's not bad genes to have if you're going to be a defender. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Ben Johnson's good shout uh, mm. for West Ham. And, and plenty of love for David Moyes and his team. And just, you know, I've got, like you, many friends who are West Ham fans who, who have had some difficult times, some dark days, and never quite sure with the club and the ownership. Enjoy the next two weeks, West Ham fans. Enjoy yeah. looking at the table and seeing yourself sitting third and um, know that, you you know, you, you, you've got a club now and a manager who reflect what all the good things about West Ham. And, and, the, and the team is, Rob. I, yeah. if, I was, if I was a West Ham fan and I set myself on the, in that stadium, that huge stadium, mm. and I'm seeing the likes of Fernals and Ben Rama and Jared Bowen and Mikel Antonio mm. and whoever's playing there, working yeah. their socks off for the team. And there was a comment afterwards that Fernals made, Rob, about, you know, we didn't get the first goals and own goals. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a West Ham yeah. goal and we yeah. celebrate all goals that, that our team receive. And mm. I, I just think they're a team right now. They're making their fans very proud yeah. to be West Ham supporters and... Uh, you know, again, they've waited a long time to really enjoy a team. And, and you're right. Third place right now. A couple of weeks to enjoy it with international break. Top class. The story, I guess, of the Premier League season yeah. so far is the achievements of David Moyes and West Ham United. Here, here, my friend. Well said. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full-body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Let's move it on to another man who was making his second Premier League debut, Antonio Conte in charge of Tottenham. We saw him in charge in the uh, Nations League, uh, 3-2 win against Vitesse, which sort of summed up Spurs can go 3-0 up but can concede two pretty quickly against an Everton team that were three straight defeats under a little bit of pressure Rafa Benitez what did you make of Conte and his team what what did you like what do you think there's work to be done where's the work to be done well there's a lot of work to be done um, I thought first of all Everton played pretty well actually yeah. I watched their last game really disappointing they were better in the second half against Wolves they lost the game 2-1 I thought they were better I thought they were on the front foot um you know, at home, the onus is on you to, to try and push the game. I thought they were more proactive in the first half to try and win the game. But what you're seeing now with Antonio Conte, particularly after the first game, the Europa Conference game on Thursday, where they were 3-0 up, they conceded two goals, a bit crazy. He doesn't want crazy. I thought we saw a five at the back. This 4-3, 3-4-3 uh, can turn into mm. a 5-4-1 with that defensive kind of uh, posture. We saw that for the most part. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's all about shape for him to be hard to beat for Antonio Conte. And, and we saw it. Yes, Spurs right now, uh, one of the lowest scorers in the division. Nine goals. I think just Norwich City, Rob, scored fewer goals than, yeah, that's than Spurs. Right. Yeah, that's it was incredible to say that when, mm. when they've got Hyun Son and uh, Harry Kane. Yeah. But he's going to go in there and start and build a foundation. That's what yeah. he's doing. I don't think he's got great defending players. I think it's an area that he'll try and... Uh, upgrade in the January transfer window or maybe in the summer, but that's what he's doing. I want to be solid. I want to be strong. Yeah. And we're going to grind a little bit. We're going to grind a little mm. bit because we have got players in the, in the attacking areas that will score goals, Rob. I thought uh, uh, Lo Celso, I thought Tonga and Dumbley come on and added in yeah. that front line later on. I thought Spurs finished stronger. Um, we saw Doherty as well come on for Regalong. So it's going to be a process. Mm. I think we've never expected it to, to be superb straight away. Yeah. I am expecting an improvement, and I think you're going to see that. But in terms of, I mean, he's hardly had like two days to work on team yeah. shape with the two matches he's had in only a few days in charge. So I, I think no surprises here. Uh, actually, a decent clean sheet and something to build on for him. Yeah, the clean sheet, I think, was important. I, I looked on, on, on my nose. I think go back to August before the last clean sheet. I think it was a 1 0 right. win against Watford for Spurs. So. That's where he'll start. He'll work from the back. He'll get it right. The shape, as you say, was there. The structure w- w- was there at times. It was a 5-4-1 out of possession and more of a 3-4-3 a, a when, when, when they go forward. But um, of the group you see now, Rob, uh, and it's hard to say, and I, I don't, I'm not talking specifics, but yep. of the nucleus of what you see now, how many players does he need to go to get through the, the window to be competitive for the second half of the year, for them to maybe have, have a, a bash at trying to get into that top four? Three. I think three. I think two central defenders, Rob. I think with the players they've got that can play wide, Regalon, Doherty, mm-hmm. Royale, Bergwijn, Lucas could maybe be your Victor Moses or your Ivan Perisic, your wingers that play wingback mm-hmm. in one of his yeah. teams. Yeah. Um, two defenders and one central midfield player. Going to the front line, they got some and Dumbly, Lascelso came on a sub. Lucas, yeah. Harry Kane, Hyomin Son. You know, Deli Ali is an attacking midfield player. I, I like the attacking players they've got. I don't mind the wing back areas. I don't like really the centre midfield and the the three centre back area. Ben yeah. Davis and Eric Dyer are not 
the future in those positions. Respect them, of course. They've been this a long period of time. But I've watched a lot of games where you could question Eric Dyer and Ben Davis in terms of their defensive, nous, determination, ability to keep clean sheets. So there, that's what I think. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely centre-backs rather than a midfield player. Wondering if Eric Dyer could be a midfield no, player in his down now. No, no, absolutely not. Because it's a terrible shout. He's, he's no big, better than Blimmer Skip and, and Hoiberg, is he? No, but what what I'm saying is, if he changes his system to a four, uh, to a three three midfield players, could he not be one of those sitting in there that you, allows you a little bit more to get a Deli Ali or stop shaking your head in that manner? Well, Hoiberg, I'd prefer in that role. I no, I'm not Oliver saying that I role. wouldn't prefer Hoiberg. I'm just saying. If you've got Eric Dyer and you have to use him, he might not have the money. Certainly, Daniel Levy's not one of them. Here, Antonio, go and spend this. Here, Antonio. Might he be able to recycle Dyer into a, into a holding midfield player? Where he has played before. So he's played for England. I think Captain England one time as a, as a holding midfield player. No, I, I, I just don't see it. I, I understand the point. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that Antonio Conte and, and uh, Fabio Paratici, they're all over Italian football. We're going to see more Italian-based players come over. To all we talk about, Frank Kesse, the midfield player for AC mm. Milan, who's who's a real good player as a central midfield player, one of the first. I think there's another defender that's been mentioned. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, Robin. Yeah. And it is going to take time. This squad has been kind of declining. The team has been declining. It's not an easy mm. fix, but we know they've got a great manager. They've got a great manager in place now that's going to get them at it. And I guess all the players go off international duty. Yeah. It's not ideal for him. We know that he prefers to take a team in the pre-season to get them grooved. So it's a little bit different. So it's going to take a little bit of time to to get them looking how he wants. Yeah, certainly keep an eye on that one, Antonio Conte in Tottenham. Hmm. This guy's a winner. He generally gets silverware. We'll see if he can do it at uh, the new White Hart Lane Stadium. Hmm. Let's move on to another team who, well, it seems to be... Hasn't seemed to be done yet, but Eddie Howe, we, we believe, is, is, is talking to Newcastle and finalising his deal and his backroom staff going in as Newcastle's next manager. He was seen at the game, watching the game from the director box with Amanda Staveley. Reports that he's, he's close to finalising that deal now in, in his backroom staff. They need to get him in the door and get this done, Rob, don't they? And, yeah. and, and, and start the process of, of making sure they, they stay in the league. Got a point out of the game at Brighton, which is, you know, yeah, a decent result, but. You know, five points from 11 games. They've still got a lot of work to do, this football club. They've got a lot of work to do. I think it's his assistance, isn't it? It's uh, finalising yeah. the deals for his Tindall assistance before but he signs. A club this size, Rob, with all that's going on, it just feels I mean, yeah. a bit petty to me. Like, get it done. Yeah, Jeez. I can't, I, can't ima- I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, I can't imagine that Jason Tyndall and Eddie Howe are going to demand he's, he's, like going to rock the Saudi public <laughs> investment. Let me let me throw one that could be a slight not issue, but Graham Jones must have, was in charge for the three games. We believe you know we'd relinquish that position when Eddie gets officially the job, and by the time hopefully we get back from the international break, Eddie, Eddie's uh, housing in in charge. Graham Jones, Rob, has uh, uh, taken over from Steve Bruce, was tasked with, I think, two games. It's now turned out as three. Obviously, a very good coach. He's worked with uh, Gareth Southgate in England, Roberto Martinez in Belgium. So, good reputation. Could there be, could Eddie Howe be saying, Graham Jones done a great job, but I'm not sure you want him as part of my staff? There seems to be talk that the owners have, have guaranteed Graham Jones a job. Might Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe be saying, listen, there's a role for him, but maybe not in my coaching staff? Yeah, that, that may be it. That may be it. I mean, if they, if they said to Graham Jones, listen, oh, we want you to stay at the football club, mm. we know that Eddie Howe is very close to Jason Tindall. We know that they will be the A team in terms of the bench. And Graham Jones seems to me to be quite a forceful personality, opinionated. We know as a, as a boy, he's his boyhood club, Newcastle United, he's a Geordie. He always wanted to go back there and coach or manage. He's getting a little opportunity now, which is going to end very, very quickly, it seems. But it's, an, it's, a one, it's one to, to take notice of. Mm. And, and how his role evolves, whether he is with the first team, I guess he could be part of the first team staff, assistant managers, first team coach. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting, interesting one to see how they work together. Because Eddie Howe Khan, he's got to hit the ground running mm. and he's got to figure out a way of playing a, a, a consistent team that balances the balance is attacking and defending, and that's my concern. Is that 
We know Newcastle United. We know the way that they love their teams to play. They were the entertainers, weren't they, when we were playing that team yeah. that we had. And, and a lot of the fans want that and demand that. And Eddie Howe can try and provide that, given the resources that he's got. But he's got to be aware that if those players can't play that way and they turn the ball over, they're going to concede. And that's going to be the interesting thing in my what I'm going to look for when, when he takes over. Yeah, uh, I'm interested in the identity that he goes, the football that he wants to play. Are, are this group, are these players sort of designed for that? Or will he sort of make do as he as he goes along and, and build to what he wants? It's going to be interesting because, hmm. listen, many of these players over the last couple of years have not played with the ball. When Rafa was there, they were very much a, a, yeah. a sit-back counter-attack. Steve Bruce, the same. So, it's going to be interesting to see how Eddie does, but uh, looking forward to to seeing that Newcastle story and obviously all the money that's there, you know, can they stay in the Premier League? That's first and foremost, finishing uh, in 17th place. Let's quickly move on through, through a two, few games, mate. Chelsea won, Burnley won. I think Rebecca Lowe used the term, there was a bit of argy-bargy both on the field and on the touchline between uh, Thomas Tuchel and, and, and Sean Dyche. 1-1 one, one draw, good point for Burnley. Um, I wouldn't say disappointing for Chelsea, but would obviously won in three at Stamford Bridge, but no, you kept an, an, an eye on this game. Um, mm. Chelsea got the goal, had a few chances, didn't get the deal done, and, and Burnley get a goal for Matty Vidra. They did, and I think Sean Sean Dice when he when he shakes the hands of the <laughs> the managers of the big clubs, I think he loves getting sticking one mm. to them, yeah. and he did a little bit here, a smash and grab late for a point. I mean, Chelsea looks so in control, Rob, and we know they've won many games one nil, and mm. and and for them sometimes that's okay because they're so good defensively, but they can't always be. And it's a well-crafted goal from Burnley. It's nodded down and Matai Vidras gets the equalising goal. They did miss earlier chances, of Rob, for that second goal. We know that uh, Lukaku's out injured at the moment. We shouldn't feel sorry for Chelsea. They've got yeah. tons of attacking players. But it's, it's, it's the nature that Chelsea play that sometimes they don't get as many goals as maybe their possession and the, and the dominance and territory would suggest. Um, Lukaku coming back will help that. But this is just one of those. And I thought Tuchel spoke well afterwards. Um, they're top of the Premier League table right now after 11 games. He said, you know what? Sometimes this happens in football. We control things. They get one breakaway, almost like one good attack that they score, and we drop points. So that's the way it is. Chelsea will be pretty happy with the first yeah. you know, part of the season, 11 games in. They're in good spot. They've, they've, I, to be fair, they've had a pretty easy run, Rob. If you look at their fixtures, they're going to need Lukaku back, Werner back, everybody back. Pulisic's back mm-hmm. now as well. So... They'll go again, but this was a, yeah, it, it, there wasn't much wrong with the performance. Let me say that. It wasn't a 1-1 one, one where like, wow, this could have gone any, I mean, they play pretty yeah. well. Lovely control. They're so structured now. It's so, not, not predictable, but they have great control of games. Mm. And just sometimes against teams that drop in a little bit, they don't always finish off some opportunities they create. And a little bit of credit to, to Burnley because, you yeah. know, it's not just a top six podcast. And, and, and you know, I feel for Sean Dyche because you think of the money that, that Chelsea has spent over the last couple of seasons. You know, Sean Dyche has got Maxwell Cornet in, which is a big signing for them. And he's done really well for them. Was it four or five goals already mm. this season? But he has to do it a different way and he has to, you know, c- continue to toil and they fight. They, they fight for every inch and, and fight for every point. And um, there's something I like about Sean Dyche that he wants to, Shake the hand. He probably shakes the hand and grips the hand of the opposition guy. But, you know, he's a great representation of, listen, it isn't always about money. And if you work hard in the training ground, you get the right players, build a bit of spirit around it, you can still get points as well. So, uh, one apiece on that one. Let's talk about one of the stories this week. Yeah. Arsenal Football Club, my friend. Them Gunners. One nil what about them Gunners? Watford. And I'm going to give you a bit of credit, my friend, because you were one of the few people when early on the three defeats for Arsenal and it was all the Arteta and, you know, give him a couple more games, he should be losing his job. And I think you were one of those who said, just let's give him time. Let's give him time and let's take a look at, at what develops yeah, his over new time. team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, fair play. I think we've seen that now. Arsenal fifth in the table, Rob. Three points behind Manchester City's... Um, Six points, is it, be behind Chelsea at yeah. top of the league? Ahead I mean, of Man United. Yeah. Unbe- unbeaten in, in 10. Um, Mikel Arteta is starting to get it right. 
Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's basically created a new team, which is not easy to do. Mm. There was talk that the players that came in were a little bit like, meh, you know, some of the signings that they had. But he had to do that because he needed so many of them. And my point back then is like, well, hang on a minute. Let's judge him when we see these players in the same team. I mean, there was injuries, etc. We don't need to go over old ground. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, well, I, you know, I, I don't support, I, I don't, yeah. It, it's nice to see us be able to judge his team now. And, oh yeah, actually it looks pretty good. Now they might've been mid table and struggled and we'd say, well, okay, well, this isn't good. And this is his team now. Um, but we're not, we're not saying that they're fifth place right now after the awful start. And it's young. They can improve. They can get more grooved. They can spend money gradually and increase this team, which is not bad as a base right now. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's becoming a story. You know, when you think of, you look at the league table in terms of expected positions for them to be three points to be um, sorry, yeah, three points ahead of Manchester United yeah. with the the Man United team and the expectations compared to to Arsenal's kind of awful start and, and, and an inexperienced team in this division playing together. It's a pretty good job, and and his face afterwards, Rob. Of course, we get to see all the interviews. Yeah, God, blimey, talk about a difference from a couple of months ago to to now with his his, his jovial, relieved, and happy face. But fair play. He yeah. took a lot of flack around that time with people asking for him to be out and this is not good enough. He's inexperienced. He's another Frank Lampard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's let's see what he does. And to be fair to him, you know, he got the, the victory. Um, Emma Smith-Rowe, Rob, is a player that I know that you, from, from the beginning, thought mm-hmm. this is a special talent. I need to see more of him. Of course, the more you see of him, the more he's flourishing, Rob. He's, mm-hmm. he's doing a great mm-hmm. job. Yeah, he's a talent, and um, yeah, also going absolutely uh, all guns at the moment. They'll they'll enjoy the break and, and actually look forward to Liverpool um, mm. away next game. Big game then for both those teams, Rob. Yeah. Um, Arsenal, as you say, going very nicely, uh, sitting in fifth place in the table. Okay, just rounding things off, my friend. And yeah. the ten o'clock window, I watched the Crystal Palace Wolves. You know, I've got this kind of. Intrigue with Patrick Vieira yeah, and what he's doing yeah. at Crystal Palace. And let me tell you, mate, they're doing all right. There were a couple of times during the game against the Wolves team that are in good form. I think won four of the last five games and Bruno Lodge has certainly started to turn things around. But these times, Rob, that this Crystal Palace team in the past used to just drop off, sit pretty much around the 18-yard box, get the midfield in front and, and, and sit back and not have possession. I'll tell you now, Rob, it's completely yeah. different. They want the know. ball. They want to play from the back. They get it into midfield. They have good rotations. They get it into the front guys. They get it in wide areas. Conor Gallagher makes good runs forwards. They've got a lovely setup. And, and all, within a short space of time, you can see the processes in the development that Patrick Vieira is starting to put in. It's just impressive. We Again, this is impressive. This was not an easy job. New team, new start expected. A new manager to the Premier League in Patrick Vieira. Wow. I mean, so far, really, really good. I mean, we all know Conor Gallagher, the player on loan from Chelsea, midfield player, gets another goal with a big deflection. And we know the abilities of, of Will Zaha. It, it, we obviously, consistency, Rob, is what we, we yeah. in the Chelsea, uh, the, um, the Crystal Palace Crystal fans Palace. Would, would want and would expect. I think that's going to be, if he continues in the same way and they play the same way and they pick up the points, regular points, playing this way, that's that's a really great job done by the ownership, by Dougie Freeman, by Mark Bright, one of your yeah. best friends in football, yeah. um, Steve Parrish, the, the vice chairman, I think, and co-owner. What a good job in a difficult situation where many, me included, like, oh, this is, there's a lot of change at one time. Wolves are playing well. They're yeah. a good side. Yeah. They're a well-coached team. And this was a, a good 2 victory for Crystal Palace at home. They're flying. Yeah, and I don't want to um, talk about Palace without talking about my underappreciated performer oh. of the week, Robin Musto. And we're going for the right-back clubs this week. It, it's oh, a one position. I think, right Gary, I think Gary Neville said, like, it's right-back. Nobody really wants to be a right-back. Or back in the day, nobody did. Well, my underappreciated performer of the week is Joel Ward. Now, he's a player, wow. Rob, that, that most pl- people would probably not know if they walked past him in the street. Mm. He's 32 years of age, came to Portsmouth Academy, has played somewhere near 200 games for, for, for Crystal Palace, been a brilliant servant, 
is a nice balance to Tariq Mitchell on the other side of a defence that's new with Anderson and Goy. Yeah. Um, and he's playing with drive. He's playing with experience. He looks like he's enjoying his football. Um, and I just think sometimes our underappreciated players should be someone who is never going to get the headlines, is never going to be man of the match, is never going to be the star player. But it's an important element to a young team that's developing under a young manager. I just want to give a special mention to Joel Wood. I'll tell you why it's a good shout. Because this football club got rid of multiple, I want to say like six, seven players, mm. Rob, mm. that were older, that were over 30. Mm. Joel Ward's one of them. And yet this player stayed and he's performing yeah. and he's in the first team. And I think when you see that, I'm, it kind of happened to me a little bit where our club transitioned between we signed a load of players and I kind of stayed with it. Joel Ward is staying with it, this exciting time. So he's got to be a decent player. Yeah. That's my point. He's got to be a good player, Joel Ward. And we haven't, and you don't, you don't, you, we'd never pick him out. And we'd no, do when all, you think of Palace, on you know, Conor Gallagher, Zaha, yeah. Ben Teke, there's, all, there's lots of names, isn't there? Goye and Anderson. Well, you're right. Um, you know, 32 years of age, never, never gets a mention. So, mm. Joel Ward, my underappreciated performer of the week. Just finally wrap things up, mate. Leeds won, Leicester won. Um, both of these teams, I would say, are probably disappointed a bit mm. this, this season. Leicester, I know, have got European football, but sitting in 12th place with the talent they've got and the manager in charge should be better. Leeds, sort of similar story. Number of Leeds players, I just don't think quite at the top of the game. Jack Harrison, Calvin Phillips players who last season were, were flying with the, the, the newness of the league. I've just found it a little bit more challenging, I think, second second time around. Obviously, they missed Bamford, who, who's a big miss. I'm not sure if Aileen played today but um yeah it's one of those where i think after 11 games both will be glad to to get the little break reset and then maybe push on a little bit in the in this sort of second element of the season as we go between now and christmas yeah i think you're right obviously some important players still out they're grinding leads mm. they're mm. getting better mm. a bit Norwich last time out didn't they? i think they've got a good point here against a decent yeah. lesser yeah. team though, though it's not performing but but I think Leeds are going to be okay mm. and it's a struggle and it's a grind and it's a second season and maybe that's into it as well um so I, I think they're going to be okay I think Leicester City Rob is slightly more concerning uh it's kind of a little bit of a drop off where you'd expect them to be now we know Brendan Rodgers done a brilliant job and the excitement that he brings with this young squad I just want to ask you a quick question on on him is there is there a concern that when the initial excitement mm. and, and his football and his training and the enjoyment of his football wears off, can he go again? Is he, has he got the, a, a little streak in him that will get them focused again and back to their very best? I just, I don't know why, I don't know why I think that there's, yeah, a, yeah, I think you've there's an element. I don't know why I, was, I think got that. a sense about this, didn't you? I think before. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of, if I can defer my answer to the end of the season, I think I'll give you the answer then. Because mm. I kind of yeah. feel like possibly I, I know where you're going and I sense it. And is that the thing that's holding him back from being one of those top yeah. six managers of one of those yeah. very big clubs? I don't know, Rob. You know, you look at James Madison, who's, who's a real talent, not developing in the way that he should be. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit of a worry, isn't it? But um, if, would you, let's just fast forward. If yeah. they don't finish in the top 10, would that, Ooh. that would, would that Ooh. drop your. Yeah. Kind yeah, of opinion of yeah. Brendan Rodgers and his yeah. ability to I go think he struggles. Play. I think he struggles to make the next step that I'm sure yeah. he wants and, and people have talked about. I think mm. he's got to continually be around six to ten to, to, to have that. I know there might be a drop off, but you know, he's, he's got a decent squad, they've got uh, decent players. I know they're in Europe, but expect a little bit more from them. Best goal of the weekend, Harvey Barnes for Leicester. Ben's in the top corner from a different yeah, angle. It's up there, mate. Yeah, I can't think of too many better, to Adam, be honest. I like to Adam Armstrong's... Um, yeah, the strike from Southampton. Southampton, yeah, on, on the yeah. Friday. Lovely yeah, half volley. But, but Harvey yeah. Barnes, yeah, what a what a lovely, accurate, pacey whip into the top corner. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant yeah. goal. Good finish. OK, mate, we, we're going to wrap things up there. Just uh, want to make just a, a quick mention for the international break that's coming up this weekend because um, the US have a couple of games, actually, which is going to be interesting. They play Mexico, I believe, on, on November the 12th. And then they play Jamaica, the Reggae Boys, uh, I think that's November the 16th. And our colleagues at Telemundo, they'll have the call on, on both of those games. Uh, and you could go to Universo, the challenge to watch those. Interesting with, with the USC and the Christian Pulisic 
Rob, um, you know, playing for Chelsea, back fit now. Will you know? Obviously, he needs some games. Mm. In, uh, two important games for him in, in qualification. And from Jamaica's point of view, Rob, it's interesting. There's a couple of Premier League stars who who've got chance to play. You, you're talking about of Andre Gray, Mikel Antonio, Leon Bailey, and Ravel Morrison are available mm. to play for Jamaica. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see that game, how strong Jamaica are and how strong the US in, in what's crucial times and qualifying for the next World Cup. Well, that's where we're going to leave it, mate. Ole has admitted this week that his team were just not good enough as they got them all in in the Manchester derby. While Liverpool got hammered, 3-2, <laughs> hammered by the hammers in the London <laughs> Stadium. But it was a big week for the managers. Falkers finished in Norwich. Smith sacked at Villa. We're going for the international break. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. But for now, I'm Earl. He's Musty together with the two Robbies. Thanks for watching and listening. Stay safe. Stay healthy. It's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good, good night. night. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.